the QMC Board and Collar Series for EMS Professionals welcomes you to Excuse My Medic, the podcast version of an MCI with Gary Harvat, Chuck Humphrey, and Ed Marasco. Excuse My Medic takes a unique look at today's emergency medical service with news and information, opinionated discussions, lively talk, sporadic jabs, and even a few belly laughs from our world of emergency medical services. Excuse My Medic is brought to you by Quick Med Claims, a national leader in emergency medical service revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, hang on to the bench seat and tighten your lap belt as these old guys from EMS Past take you on a Code 3 ride without touching the brakes. You've had the disclaimer, and if you're still brave enough to stick it out, let's get started. Take it away, guys. Good day, everyone. My name is Gary Harbett from the QuickMed Claims Client Services Team, and welcome to this edition of Excuse My Medic. We've got a great show for you today, folks, and we're so glad that you took the time to download us and join in. Uh, joining me are my regular two uh, colleagues, Chuck Humphrey. Chuck. Hey, how are you? I'm Gary. Uh, good to talk to everyone from Danville, Pennsylvania. Beautiful Danville. Great up there in the in the uh, east of Pens- eastern part of Pennsylvania. Glad to have you again, Chuck. Good to see you. And of course, just across the way from me, still here in Pittsburgh, our dear friend and colleague, Ed Morasco. Hey, Ed. Hey, guys. Good to be here again, as always. Can't wait to spend a little quality time with you. I miss you guys. Yeah. Haven't had any face-to-face in a while. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, I don't know about you, but it seems like uh, some people tell me they feel like they've been pent up for a long time. When I say March, it, it just seems like that was light years ago like yeah, it does and uh you know only recently have i been allowed to start going out my wife is very concerned about this covid thing and god bless her i, I appreciate that but uh you know i uh i haven't been able to go to some of my favorite places uh one of those being dunkin donuts and just to kind of digress here for a second guys if i can here i need to tell this story with uh my my colleague at marasco here so uh i i was uh here at my desk working, uh, and this was probably back when, maybe March, April sometime, and yep. uh, I'm sitting here working away, carrying on my day, and I, next thing you know, I, I, I get a text, and it tells me, go out to your driveway by the, uh, by the light. I got something for you. I'm like, and I'm looking at the text, and it's from Ed Marasco. I'm like, now, folks, Ed and I don't live close to each other. There's probably about 20 miles between our, our homes. So I was like, this is wrong. And then he sends me another text and says, go out now. It's raining. <laughs> so I am completely clueless at this point. So I pick up, take off my headsets, up the stairs. I go and go outside. Well, Ed realized that I was banned from going to Dunkin' Donuts. So Ed happened to be out. I believe you're going up to the, the college by our home here. Is that what it was, Ed, to drop yes, off food or something? Absolutely. And um, he stopped at Dunkin' Donuts and left uh, a large coffee on the uh, wall in my driveway. And that was like manna from heaven that day. But uh, I really appreciate that. But that's a funny story. I was, I'll, I've te- I'll tell that for years to come, Ed. So, so. 
uh, a formal thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate that, especially at my low moment when I could not go to Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, <laughs> it's the little things we miss, isn't it's it? It's the little things. Absolutely right. Chuck, how about you? Well, you know what? I've been doing okay. Uh, I, I have been on a weight reduction program, and I'm very happy to say, as of this morning's weigh-in, I have shed 30 pounds, and I'll tell you what, it makes me feel like a new man. I, I'm, I'm surprised. I just decided that uh, it was time to get rid of the COVID uh, roll around my waistline there, and uh, uh, so I've been, uh, I've been eating healthy, I've been exercising, and it's a new me. And, oh, and you look fantastic. great. Good for you, Chuck. Oh, you, you look really good. And for our listeners, uh, Chuck isn't anything out of the male modeling catalog, but he looks much better. He really does look much better. Someone would say he's not the man he used to be. Exactly, exactly. And You're Ed, the male model, Gary. You're the uh, male model. I'm far from that. That ship has long <laughs> sailed, trust me when I tell you. So, Ed, how about you? Well, my, my best COVID experience is I had to go to Richmond, Virginia over Memorial Day weekend to get a haircut. But I finally got a haircut. <laughs> I went out to visit my son, Matthew, and, and went over to the sport clips right away um, and got a haircut, which felt really good. So it's nice to be sort of yeah, semi-groomed isn't that, again. Isn't that crazy how something as simple as a haircut may, may can change your whole way you feel about yourself. And I mean, I personally have been standing at the sink down the hall here with a, a towel over the sink. And uh, we used to have a long haired dog and I found the old Oster dog trimmers. <laughs> oh my and, and, and thank God our listeners aren't listening from home because literally my hair has got some short sides. It's got some long sides. Trust me, that male modeling gig is way off the table, way off the table. But anyway, it's, it's been a unique experience. And, and sadly, uh, it just does not seem to go away. I don't know if you guys have seen the news, but you know, I typically have it on behind me in the mornings and, you know, I see some of these numbers rising and it's, you know, greatly concerning and it's just, just tough. So yeah, that's for sure. Really, really a challenge. So, but um, there's some, you know, there's some, a lot of things going on with COVID. We've sent out a lot of communication to our clients, but we just wanted to share some of the, where we are with some of this stuff right now with our listeners and, and hopefully uh, bring a few more points to light and then we'll uh, have a few light spots before the day's over. But uh, you know, Chuck, what do you got there as far as uh, things going on with yeah, COVID well, and the funding, yeah, et cetera? A couple of things. First thing I wanted to talk about is I um, uh, set in on a, a really good webinar uh, sponsored by the American Amps Association. I just want to give uh, some folks out there uh, a heads up if you don't know it. You know, there is FEMA money available to help offset some of the loss, uh, and it's part of the COVID-19 cost recovery. Uh, and this is both for fire and EMS. So uh, just want to give you a quick rundown. Can't give you all the details, It was, but it was a well done. The U.S. Fire Administration, Keith Bryant, and then uh, the Deputy Section Chief from FEMA, uh, uh, FEMA uh, woman by the name of Star Black, uh, did the presentation, did a great job. Um, so it is a cost share uh, situation. 75% federal money you will have to, if you do apply and do receive the grant, um, you will have to put in the other 25%. So there is a cost share on it. But this is part of the Stafford Disaster Relief Act funds, which happens, we're used to that 
during uh, natural uh, disasters. And of course, this is a little different, but it applies. So just want to give you a quick rundown. Um, government organizations are the only ones that can apply for this. So if you are a private nonprofit, um, and that is the only one that's available other than government, you can uh, apply through your uh, either your emergency management agency or you can apply through your uh, town fathers, your local government, and then you, they actually do the application on your behalf. So there's a two-part process to that. Um, just keep in mind, individuals not eligible, that's through disasterassistance.gov. For-profits uh, would go through uh, the Small Business Administration. Tribal organizations, if you're listening in, would be the, through the FEMA Regional Representative. Uh, so this would be for private nonprofits and for government. And uh, there is an application process. So you as uh, the private nonprofit uh, would submit an application. And there's a, a lengthy list of things you have to provide. Provide your bylaws, provide your charter, um, you know, go in and, and uh, do the criteria. And then you submit that up into your local government. And the government actually submits the application, again, if you are that private nonprofit. As far as a government entity goes, of course, um, you can apply directly uh, through your uh, town hall or through your uh, emergency management agency. So there is an online uh, tool for this. You do go in, uh, it's actually located at https uh, colon slash slash grantee, G-R-A-N-T-E-E dot FEMA dot gov. So that's where you can get started. But before you even do that, you need to reach out to that EMA director or your, uh, uh, your local uh, whoever is charge of uh, grants and uh, uh, reach out to them because they're ultimately going to have to help you out with that. The minimum project cost is $3,300. Um, if it's less than 131100 it will be considered a small project. There's a few less requirements with that. If you're applying for more than 131.1, then you will, um, it's called a large expedited or a large regular. A lot of hoops to jump through over that. Um, so you, you will want to, you know, check that out. There is quite an extensive thing, but I, it was well done. If you didn't listen in, um, I suggest that you do contact those local individuals and, uh, and check that out. Also, uh, here in Pennsylvania, just to to let uh, you know, um, there is registration open um, that started last Saturday for the COVID-19 Fire Rescue and Emergency Medical Service grant. Uh, so that's another just Pennsylvania grant that is open and available. So, you know, aside from our um, reimbursement efforts through the CARES Act that we've gone through and, and all of the, uh, the various different uh, uh, medium that we have uh, here at QuickMed Claims uh, promoted to our clients and help them get involved in like the uninsured program, you know, the care stimulus stuff. Um, these are additional grants that aren't reimbursement related, uh, but uh, are of interest because I know, you know, um, many of our uh, clients are struggling uh, uh, just because of the loss of volume. Uh, so that seems to have picked up some guys. I'm hearing that now. Uh, that there's a little bit return to normalcy. Um, the, yeah, and the other thing that um, the stats uh, on the AAA call were interesting, um, fire calls have picked up. Uh, so the fire-based services are facing 
a conundrum. A lot of fire-based services draw a portion of their funding from the EMS side because that's the cash stream. Um, but it seems that calls out for fire-related issues uh, have ticked up. And that's a, there's a number of different categories, just simply because everyone's home. So people are having accidents. So there are more fire-related incidents. Uh, of course, those that are in metropolitan areas where there's been some rioting and looting, that's an uptick. So there's been overtime involved. So as, a, as if it wasn't a double whammy, and I'm not making any political statement here, guys, but you know, the last thing that a, fire, uh, a municipal fire EMS needed, uh, fire department with EMS, was to go down in runs on the EMS side, because that's where some of the money comes, and go up in fire runs where there is no money Absolutely. in many cases. So it's, it's really a double whammy. So I feel for those guys. Uh, but, you know, there are funding sources out there. Um, I would suggest that you check with your state organizations um, because there are a number of different, but those are two right there that, that I know right off the top of my head yeah. and I followed there. Shock, let me ask you, because this is a question that's been posed uh, to us prior, but um, if you could clarify, does any of this, these new, these new grants or funding, the FEMA funding, is that, um, are we precluded from applying for that if we've accepted or done anything with the stimulus dollars? No, that's a great question, Gary. But you do have to be sure that if you do receive funds and it's targeted for specific things. So let's say that as part of that FEMA grant, you put in for a stockpile of PPE. Now you would not be able to have spent the stimulus money on the PPE. So this goes back to some of the uh, uh, guidance we gave with stimulus one and stimulus two. Uh, you, you're going to have to at some point show that those stimulus funds were spent on something that you didn't get other grant money for because they will frown on double dipping. Um, and so what you spend on one set of dollars for, and, and quite frankly, these grants, you know, as you submit what you're asking the grant for um, are limited to spending the money on that. The stimulus was a little open, however, uh, you don't want to spend one set of dollars that are targeted and then use the stimulus money for the same thing. You're going to have to diversify your expenditures to make sure that they come from two different sources and do not overlap. Uh, so that is a caution. And, and who knows when the accounting will be for this? Certainly, we're still in the middle of this public health emergency. Uh, it's open-ended, but when the time comes, you know, is that Next year, is it, who knows, 2022, um, uh, it's anyone's guess. But there will be some kind of reckoning process where you will have to account. And uh, that's the other thing. If you haven't done that already for the stimulus money, for uh, grants, whatever the case may be, make sure that you are uh, keeping your records straight. You have a good paper trail. Uh, don't lose sight of that because in the heat of the moment, you tend to just buy and then, distribute and then worry about it later, but that worry about it later might might catch you off guard. And speaking of open-ended, um, the last thing, you know, that I have just kind of a tidbit to throw out here is I want to remind everybody, uh, there's been some questions about the cost data collection. I'm a little disappointed about this, guys, I got to tell you. Um, we really thought that we would be able to demonstrate how our costs spike in the middle of these kind of events. Um, Unfortunately, CMS has shut down the cost data uh, project, 
anyone who was uh, chosen for the first round that thought they'd be collecting this year for reporting next year will now not be reporting until 2022. So first and second round invitations will all report together next year, um, collect next year, excuse me, and then report in 2022. And Ashley, uh, the CMS uh, um, you know, guidance on this stated that they felt that the data would be skewed by the COVID situation, which I sort of understand, but let's face it, guys, at any point we can get hit with a national disaster with uh, some kind of, you know, who knows how long this is going to go, pandemics, you can get hit with uh, terrorist attacks, uh, spikes and ebbs and flows in our costs in this industry happen all the time. So why they feel they want to take a vanilla approach to this, I don't know. It would seem to me, and I'm, I'm editorializing now, guys, and we'll, let's chat about this, but it would seem to me you want to capture a time when there is something like this because it is representative of how our costs can go off the charts at a snap of a finger. Right. And, and, and I think it's unfortunate that we can't capture this. But now I'll shut up, let you guys chime in where you stand on this. I have a, a definite opinion about this. No, I, I agree with you, Chuck. I think this would be a perfect time to take that snapshot. Uh, you know, you're right. I mean, tomorrow could be some other thing. I mean, my goodness, we're, we're it's sadly, we're headed out of summer at some point soon, headed to fall. We're going to be in what? Hurricane season. Yeah. Those could be catastrophic just the same. Maybe not to the same magnitude across the country, but in specific areas, very devastating. So, you know, costs do go up and down. And I, I think this would be a great time to look at it. And it saddens me to hear that we're just pushing it back a little further. But I guess that's just the way it is. Ed, you... Uh, keep your ear pretty close to the air medical community. And, you know, I mean, I know I, Chuck and I kind of spend our time more around the ground side of this, but, you know, how is the air medical community doing with all this? Especially we have so many uh, hospital-based programs that, you know, I, I hear on the news, I talk to my friends and colleagues, you know, people aren't going to the hospital. Maybe it's picking up a little now, but in March and April, it was, you know, other than the COVID patients, people were just not going to the hospital, as we all know. Yeah, gee, it's a great point. And, and the folks I've talked to, and I was on the on a call on Wednesday of this week with the uh, one of the subcommittees of the Air Ambulance Patient Billing Advisory Committee. And uh, uh, Mike Abernathy, who's up in, up in Wisconsin, is a medical director up there, an active flight physician, was talking about it. You know, they went, everybody went through that decrease, right? And so, transport volume was down anywhere from 20 to 60 percent and you know people are going through that period you know they had some COVID flights now the volume's picking up and the other point that um, the group was making and, and Dr. Thompson who also is the medical director down at Biden in, in North Carolina was on that call as well and he said you know it's tough right now we're coming into the summer months imagine down in North Carolina and some of these places we're having to gear up and wear PPE and all that in the aircraft which in general is not a very climate controlled environment for the most part anyway in the, in the heat of summer. Um, so it's really starting to take a toll on, um, on the transport crews because not only do you have, you have the episode of, of the care itself, then you have all the cleanup afterwards and you're spent physically and probably emotionally. And then you got to, you know, the aircraft has to be disinfected and got all those things to deal with. And so I, you know, as the volume has started to creep back up and it has, I think uh, folks on the call were, talking about being sort of 90% of the pre-COVID volumes. But now you have all that, you know, what used to be maybe an hour and a half transport from, 
from call to back in service now might be three hours yeah. because of all the added steps. So it's wearing folks out, it sounds like, around the industry. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You know, the other night, um, so we started um, a EMS Explorer post, a scouting Explorer post here locally, which was very well attended. We were excited. We had about 22 young people come in um, and had a great night. But um, I have taken myself off the street because of my, as my asthma. And I had to wear a mask for like two hours for the first time. And I got to tell you, just doing that, and I wasn't really exerting. I wasn't lifting patients. I, I was, by the end of the night, I was ready to throw that thing in, in, the, in the dumpster. You know, like it just, it, it, it's something about it. And I even had a, an N95 on with a, with a valve because I don't want to rebreathe my, <laughs> my CO2. And uh, I, I, it, it was a, it, it just by the end of the night, I was spent. I can't imagine those guys and girls that are out there on the street doing this. Yeah, amen. Now in 90-degree weather. Ugh. Hey, I don't want to make light of this, but about a month ago, I went to the – I had to go to the grocery store. And, um, and so we have some paper masks. We've got cloth masks around, but we have sort of spare paper masks. And, you know, when you use them, you put them in a Ziploc with a, with a Clorox wipe or whatever, so you can use them a couple of times, right? Well, there was one in there, and I think my wife must have stuffed three of those – Clorox wipes in it. So I put the thing on. I'm going to the grocery store at seven o'clock in the morning. It's soaked. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die in the grocery store. And so I get into the grocery store and I'm trying to rush you and I'm, and I'm huffing and puffing. And now the thing's wet. It's getting stuck to my mouth and nose. Now I know what it feels like to get waterboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, awful. Absolutely awful. It's a awesome. new adventure. That's for sure. Hey, Chuck, I have a question back on the FEMA stuff. Yeah. Those grants, is there any, do they earmark it for any sort of um, uh, particular items? Like, do they want you to use it for equipment or personnel, hours or people? or what? Um, Yeah, I'm looking at my notes. Um, for for uh, the coronavirus disease, uh, they listed, it, it's actually the category of work, the FEMA category of work is category B, which is emergency protective measures. So it is, uh, it is, um, you know, but that's pretty open, uh, especially given now, you know, I think I would go back to uh, the guidance that we gave during stimulus, that it'd be quote unquote COVID related, you know, so it, you have to give a cost factor for these grants, you know, this isn't um, kind of a general open. So you have to give detail about what you want and give them an idea of what you'll be purchasing. So, so there is some limitation to it for sure. So, you know, again, watching the numbers on the TV, it seems like, you know, there's some areas of concern. They're developing some travel restrictions for certain states. Uh, good word help us if we have to go back where we just came from. But um, if that's the case, like, what's what do you think about continued funding, stimulus funding? Do you think there's going to be more of it? Do you think we better be happy with what we have and pray this pandemic's over soon? Uh, because, you know, with the stipulations in place, uh, you know, we agreed to certain things when we accepted that money. And, you know, what's yeah. going to be the outcome now? Well, the news last night talked about the president making a statement within the last few days that he's working on another package. Um, the contradictory to that was nobody in Congress seems to be, seems to be in, in concert. So I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it's anybody's guess. I get, they did talk about a third round, but 
you know, as closer we get to the election, um, I, I don't know if they're not, you know, they're, they're not in some kind of drunken stupor right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't see a lot of movement. Yeah, there, there is a third package out there. In fact, I was talking to someone this week about it because <clears throat> the other one of the pieces of the third package is to push back um, tax due date again, you know, the, mm. the tax filing deadline. Right. Right. They're talking about in this third package, maybe pushing it back further. But, you know, the prospects of it getting through between now and July 15th, at least but the person I was talking to said, you know, it's, it's not very likely. Um, now, I think they did extend they did extend the um, deadline on the PPP money, right? So you've got some time before you have to file. Yes. It was supposed to be end of June or something. And now it's pushed back 20, 22. I forget how much longer. But. Well, and I think that it wasn't that last act. Didn't they change the amount uh, for forgiveness? Didn't right. it go from like 75 to 60%? Am I right on that? I'm, I'm pulling numbers out of my air. But uh, um, I think there was a change in the amount that you, if you spend it on um, uh, payroll, that right. then the loan would be forgiven. Yeah. yeah, you can reduce the amount for payroll now, I think. Well, all, one thing for sure, it's, it's definitely a, a word we've come to use more often than we like. It's become a very fluid situation and it's one that we'll continue to monitor and update you on. But uh, goodness gracious, I was really hoping this episode was COVID subject matter free. And uh, I think we might be talking about it for a long time, hopefully. Uh, as on on a level that shows us getting better instead of yeah. worse but yeah. the way the news is and the way things have been watching and don't you just get tired of watching the news it's just like there's nothing else happening and it just seems like uh we can't dig out of this ditch so let's let's hope it improves proves uh sooner than later chuck um do you got any other news for us anything else you could lay on us that might even bring a little bit of a smile to our face well, anything um, it'll bring a smile to a face in one place and another one probably not so much but i just wanted to um make everyone aware if you're listening from maine um, maine has a proposed rule out right now that is going to be uh discussed uh sometime in july seems like it has gained some traction actually the hearing is july 17th where they're considering raising the Medicaid payments equal to the Medicare minimum. So if you're an EMS, uh, you know, ambulance administrator up there, um, they're seriously, and this is uh, being that it's a rulemaking proposal, they're taking comments. And then if there's no negative comments, it seems like that's going to fly and uh, with a, um, uh, within an action date sometime later this year to try to help. So it's kind of COVID related but it was kind of on the hopper before yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're just pushing it through. Now, those that are in New Hampshire, if you're listening, um, I can tell you that there is uh, once again, renewed discussion that seems to be gaining traction in the New Hampshire house bill number 685 to be exact um, to limit balance billing for EMS. Um, this was introduced last year. Uh, it died for lack of any action. It was brought up again this year. And now this year, they actually did pass the first part of it. But it's a uh, committee to study the um, effects if they would take such a measure. Uh, so it is not yet out on the floor for a vote to enact. But it is gaining teeth. And some of that actually books back to the COVID situation because there's been a renewed interest in balance billing because it 
it's felt that it's putting an undue burden on the patient community. So uh, those are two things to watch in New England, guys. If you're uh, if you're listening and you're one of the you know you're you're doing EMS in one of those states, um, and your administrator is probably good for you to keep an eye on that. We certainly will keep everybody updated as well as we go along because we have a nice representation of clients up through New England. So Great. stay tuned. Well, thank you, Chuck. Well, let's lighten it up a bit. Uh, I think it's about time for some fun here. Uh, thankfully, I get to have some of the fun because I get to give Ed Morasco the EMS word of the day. Uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with this, and I know we've got a great many listeners, uh, but the EMS word of the day, I find some obscure word, uh, and then I introduce that word to one of my colleagues who has to use it in a sentence that has an EMS pre-hospital flavor. Uh, most of the time, we all fall flat on our face with this, um, so it's it's my time to uh, to give, but I understand right after this, Chuck's giving me one, so... Uh, I better be careful here. You but Ed, careful. are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. All right. You look ready. <laughs> We're ready to go here. Okay. Today's word is, do you have your pencil out? Yes, I do. <laughs> You're writing this down? I have to write it down. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> it's anti-disestablishmentarianism. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, that's not it. That was a word I used, I learned in grade school. I always thought it was a cool word because it had like 20, 20 letters. But anyway, no, that's not it. You don't have enough. You don't have enough ink in that pen. Anyway, today's word. Today's word is retrodict. R e t r o d i c t. Oh my. Huh. Okay. Well, this could go a lot of ways that wouldn't be too good. Yes, but. it would. Yeah. <laughs> I'll so spell Fred, it again for our listeners, R-E-T-R-O-D-I-C-T. Yes, right. T isn't Tom? T isn't Tom. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, well, retro meaning before, right? Correct. Uh, and, you know, indict, you know, is sort of spelled, you know, similarly. Um, hmm. So before accusations, maybe before consideration, hmm, before a declaration. Folks, for those of you watching at home, there's steam coming from Zed's head. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let's see. Say that again. What's the, how's the word pronounced? Retrodict. All right. So, all right, here's, here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab at this. It's going to be ugly, but, um, um, prior to, well, no, I can't say that, huh? I got to say, uh, uh, trying to keep this a relatively short show, Ed. (laughs) As the paramedic was preparing his final chief complaint for the patient care report, he took a retrodict approach to selecting that particular chief complaint. <laughs> Gary can't even. See. I, can't, I, know, I haven't seen. I haven't seen him laugh so hard at an EM two ever. <laughs> I'll put the big L on my forehead. <laughs> I have no. Can you repeat that, please? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, not that. Okay, it's an adjective that means to use new information, such as new patient care information. To explain the past. Oh, I was close. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, my. Well, good try, Ed. A for effort there. <laughs> oh, God. I'll get even, Ed, I promise. Oh, I Thanks, figured Chuck, this is going to – Go ahead, Chuck. All right, all right, Mr. Harvat. Um, the word here is borborygamous. <laughs> <laughs> it is B-O-R-B-O-R-Y-G-M-U-S. Borborygamous. I just saw one of those borgerigamuses in the, in the zoo last week. When I was yeah, I can give uh, you a hint. And I had a bad cold a couple of weeks ago. And let me tell you about my borgerigamus. <laughs> no, anyway. Um, I'll be glad to give you a hint. Oh, a hint. Just spell it one more time, though. B-O-R-B-O-R-Y-G-M-U-S. And every ambulance crew known to man experiences borborygamous at least once during their career on a shift. Oh. Jeez, why don't you just give him the trophy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. That's a tough crowd. Um, borborygamous. The ambulance service was called to the home of a 98-year-old male who, who apparently passed in his sleep and was borborygamous upon the medic's arrival. Um, you're not even in the same country, let alone state. Well, I was kind of going with the rig, you know, yeah, like right. rig. Yeah. But, yep. All right. Okay. But, was so, it really that far off, Chuck? Borborygamous is the term for a grumbling, hungry stomach. Oh. And, and goodness knows. <laughs> most crews experience, most crews experience the grumbling, that. hungry stomach. Borborygamous. <laughs> Borborygamous. Yes. I am saving that word. I'm yes. going to follow it. Ed's lead and write that down. And medically, it has more to do with the internal rumbling due to gas. Another... That's an EMS thing for sure. And apparently it's an ancient Greek onomatopoeia. And while we don't see it, we'll take the Greek word for it. <laughs> that is the explanation. Oh okay. my goodness. Well, we, uh, Ed and I both floundered there. That's yes. all my gosh. Having lost 30 pounds recently, I could tell you I've been borgorigamous quite a bit. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right. And speaking of, of fish, I've got a big fish story for you guys oh, no. here. Are we talking about the bizarre EMS stories that are out there? I, I found this one and, and I just said, I got to save this. I saw, I saw it a few weeks ago and I thought, yep, this is a keeper. I'm using this on EM2. So, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> so uh, apparently we've got a fisherman out there who's fishing and he's got his family with him and they're fishing off a pier, and lo and behold, and by the, by the way, this was in South Florida, um, fishing off a pier, and uh, he reels in one, and um, I don't know, it didn't say in the article it was a big one or a little one, but he takes his catch off the hook and proceeds to get a Kodak moment, having his wife take the picture as he took the fish off the hook put it up to his lips as if to give the fish a kiss. Right. And the fish, the word they used was jump. I haven't seen fish jump to, you know, but jump down his throat. Oh, my gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Occluding his airway. 
Oh, no. Causing him to collapse and subsequently go into cardiac oh. arrest. Oh. Thankfully, bystanders start CPR. The medics arrive, obviously are struggling to ventilate the gentleman because why? Fish in his He's got a fish in the old trachea routine. You've heard that before, right? No. Um, so the medics with a pair of uh, McGill forceps took six, not five, not four, but six attempts to grab oh. onto the tail and pull it out uh, and uh, continue with CPR. And thankfully, this has a happy ending because he did survive. Now, I don't know how big of a fish this is, but it was a Dover sole. Does anybody say, Ed, you're a fisherman. What, what does that look like? Is that something? I have never caught one of those. And I'm guessing it was a, a mighty small fish. Um, I think. Conrad's airway, I would think. Yeah. I would think. Wow. So, uh, good, good outcome. Well, yeah, how, how do you clamp onto that? Because it's slimy and. Yeah, you would think. It's still those, moving. Those yeah. forceps. Well, and you don't want to do it too hard because you pulled the tail right off the well, fish. You know, it, it, didn't, it didn't say whether the fish survived or not. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, You'd expect, you know, a few minutes in somebody's trachea. Yeah. He's probably not doing real well. No. I don't think he was a throwback that went swimming back off with his friends. Well, but, the good uh, news is the, the EMS professionals used the right uh, piece of equipment because yes. what else would you use to get a fish out of somebody's throat but the McGill forceps? Oh. oh. There's something really There's fishy a, about this that, whole line. Oh. <laughs> We are digressing terribly. I apologize to our listeners. You you took the bait on that one, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move away. I think, Ed, you had a good one, didn't you? Yeah, well, you know, hey, look, very recently, right, we had this tremendous moment. And at this point in the country, we've got a lot of things happening that are troubling. But we had a very bright moment a couple of weeks back when, uh, when SpaceX launched from uh, American soil for the first time in almost a decade. It was incredible. Um, got a chance to watch the coverage. It was delayed a couple times, but it got me thinking about the space program. And I found this, this is a shout out to all of our communication specialists out there uh, who can relate to this. I found this story. Uh, it's about Dutch astronaut Andre Coopers, who's at the International Space Station. And um, he was apparently trying to make a call home um, through um, the, the switchboard at the Johnson Space Center. And uh, and for him, since he lives abroad, the country code for his country is 011. But in order to get an outside line, apparently, when you're being piped down from space through the communication center, you have to dial nine. So he left out the zero. He called 911 from the International Space Station, which caused <laughs> alarms throughout the space center to go off. The security team was dispatched to the switchboard room <laughs> to check to see if anybody was dead. Um, so... And poor Cooper said, uh, you know, I received an email message from, from Mission Control that said, did you call 911? <laughs> he said he was a little disappointed that they didn't come up and check on him to make that sure. That caught his well-being. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. That's a good one. That's that a classic a good right one. there. So, Chuck, how about you? Well, yeah. So I'm looking. So um, I have the honor of sitting on a board, uh, an advisory board for our local 911. So I can imagine. So I'm actually looking at the actual uh, CAD notes for this call. So at this apartment complex, um, this woman hears somebody give out a shriek. And she calls in and says that someone is yelling that someone is hanging out of the dumpster in the apartment complex. 
So the CAD notes start with this. She left at the apartment complex to get his address and to get a better location, and he's not answering the phone. The next note from the dispatcher says, it's at 223C with a new dumpster location now noted. As everybody races to the scene, the call comes back from the RP and says, it is a cardboard cutout of Justin Bieber that's hanging out of the dumpster. All units can disregard. It's going to be a life-size poster of Justin Bieber. <laughs> All other dumpsters are clear. <laughs> I can imagine the roar in that center as they were typing. Oh in my gosh. Oh, great story. Not that there isn't a certain amount of the populace that probably wouldn't mind seeing Justin Bieber hang out of a dumpster. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's too funny. Oh, I feel bad for the Biebs. Yeah, the Biebs. Not a big fan of the Biebs, but saddened to see that he was in the dumpster nonetheless. So. Oh, well, I am happy to see it seems that he's turned his life around a little bit these days. He's not quite so – he's not getting into trouble as much. He's not making the news as much as he once uh, was, was he? Right. That's for sure. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys for a great episode here. Um, I think the information that we conveyed was informative. Uh, with the exception of Justin Bieber in the in the dumpster, uh, but overall we appreciate everyone attending. And Chuck, do you have anything for closing here? Yeah, I just like to shout out. Uh, there's a, uh, a, a colleague of mine, uh, Jack Lasky, uh, who's associated with the Geisinger. He was one of the first EMTs here in northeastern Pennsylvania. He ran the Geisinger Medic 303 program for a long time. Finished his career uh, managing the. Uh, uh, community paramedicine program in the Wilkes-Barre area. Uh, yesterday, no, day before yesterday was his final call, and he's decided to hang it up and go enjoy his retirement. So uh, to those of you that know Jack, anybody that knew him, he was a class act, uh, a fine gentleman, and um, EMS in northeastern Pennsylvania will miss Jack enormously. So Jack, bon voyage, thanks for everything. And I want to tell you that uh, this younger guy from you, and there are older people than me, believe it or not, in EMS, um, you know, really, really respected uh, the groundwork that you laid for those of us that came after you. So kudos on a great career. Yeah, here, yeah here. congratulations. Absolutely right. Ed, how about you, bud? Well, I've got a Garth Brooks tune uh, rolling through my head, and it's um, I'm much too young to feel this damn old. Uh, <laughs> I just found out I'm going to join my colleague Gary Harvat as a grandfather here. Yay! So that's fantastic. That's my news, and, and my youngest son's getting married next week, so we're we're pretty having a lot of fun in the Morasco household. So, uh, congratulations! Congratulations, Ed. That's awesome. Well, good for you and uh, everybody here. So, thank you to all of you who attended today and are downloading our podcast. We we love doing it. It seems like it's been a little bit longer than normal since we, we try to do these every other month, but it seems like this has been a little bit longer than normal. But nonetheless, we'll keep coming at you because I can see that uh, it's nice of you. We're honored that you download and listen to us on a regular basis. So thank you for that. And if you ever have any questions or comments, we welcome those. Feel free to write us at client services at quickmedclaims.com. We'll be happy to answer your questions and if you have any suggestions to make us better, you can't make us look better. Trust me. Even Chuck at 30 pounds lighter. Um, but if you have any suggestions for improving the program or things you'd like to have us talk about, feel free to write us. So with that said, I'll just uh, thank my colleagues for joining me. Thank you for downloading them at home. And with that, I will say, hey, 
Be safe, Be safe out, out there. there.